Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. There is a call that is going out in this time and this season from the Lord. And it really is a call to purpose. It's a call into the purpose and the plan that God has for each and every one of us. You see, God loves us. And the initial plan, as we know, is to bring all of us into His family and into His kingdom. The overall plan in its simplicity is to have intimate fellowship and communion with you because God loves you. Amen? But there is a bigger plan. It's not just all about me. Because this whole entire world except for one very small exception, is made up of others. And God wants to bring us into this plan and into this purpose of sharing His love, both in word and in practical deeds, with those around us. To make Him known, the wonder of His love known. And there is a call on your life and a plan and a purpose that God has for you and for me And maybe you've been walking in that for a long time. Maybe you have a good idea of what that is. Maybe there's new discoveries on your horizon. But I want to say to you this morning, God has greater purposes for your life than you're currently walking in. Amen? If you had already fulfilled your entire purpose, you would not be sitting here this morning. You are here because there is something God has for you or something God requires of you. There is value in you, and God has placed it there. And God is saying, I am not done yet. I still have plenty for you to discover and to enjoy and to impart. Now, we generally think this way when we're quite young. I've got my whole life ahead of me. There's so much to discover. There's so much to learn, so many experiences to have, so much that I don't even know yet, but it's there. And then we get married, we have kids, we realize a lot of those dreams and aspirations, and we get busy in our job, and we just go through the motions, and we go through the motions. And maybe we're in the place now where we've already done that, and we've realized those dreams and aspirations, our career goals have been met, and now we're retired, so to speak, or just tired, so to speak. Retired means you're just tired again. And I want to say to you, it doesn't matter where you are, in your career, in your life path, in your journey, it doesn't matter whether or not things have panned out the way you expected. It doesn't matter that the relationships you thought were going to work work and go forward didn't, and maybe that's okay. It doesn't matter that your financial plan for your life didn't work. God had a different budget. There is more in store for you. There is more in store for you now, in this time and this season. And God says, I still have plenty for you to discover and plenty to impart to you and through you. I want us to take inspiration from the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, he's done all of these wonderful things and he's now ministered and he's spread the gospel. And he says, not that I have already attained this life in Jesus Christ, the state of maturity or perfection, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. We don't see a hint of 
sort of self-satisfaction in Paul, not a hint of complacency, though he had had face-to-face encounters with Jesus, though he was seeing miracles at his hands, though so many had gotten saved through his ministry, yet he didn't sort of sit back and go, sure, that was a wild ride. He said, no, no, I keep pressing. There's a passion in him There was a passion for him to see more of God, to be in the center of God's will, to know what God is doing and to cooperate with him. And again, I want to say to you this morning, God is not done yet. He's not done with you. Your story has not reached its final chapter. Maybe there's a lot of chapters still to be written for you. Maybe there's just a conclusion left. Who knows? But God's not done And there is much, much more. And He is calling us deeper, deeper into intimacy, deeper into experience with Him, of Him, that will change and unlock things in us that have been dormant and been lying there for many, many years because He placed them there for such a time as this. We know that we will encounter challenges along the way. These things don't come easily, do they? And God says, I have more for you. The, generally, the reason we're not experiencing that more is because the, the more are hiding behind giants, the more is hiding behind things we haven't given up yet. The more is, is obscured by things that we have put in the way. And so although it's there and it's available to you and to I, if God is not withholding from us, there are challenges and things that we will have to overcome. Perhaps it's a sin or a habit. Perhaps it is distraction. Perhaps we're investing our lives in the wrong areas and in the wrong things, and realignment and readjustment is necessary. But we know that if God is calling us deeper, there are things we are going to have to overcome. If God is calling us to accomplish something, that means we need to solve a problem. That means there's a problem that needs to be solved. And the funny thing is with God that the problem is not really the problem. The people are the problem. Because God can solve any problem as soon as he finds a willing vessel. That's what the story of Jonah is all about. Jonah, I want you to go and preach to Nineveh. And he says, God, they are so lost. They are so corrupt. They are so broken. You know, God had absolutely no trouble turning Nineveh upside down. But God struggled with Jonah. You see, the thing that needs to be accomplished very often is the thing, is not where the issue lies. The issue with slaying Goliath was not the giant, it was the fear in the hearts of the people. The issue with taking the promised land was not how big it was or how big the giants in the land were, it was the unbelief of the people that, that, and the sin that stopped them from entering in. The issue with Jericho was not the size of the walls or the size and the strength of the army within it. He just had to get his people to obey his plan. And the walls came tumbling down. God is not done yet. He's not done with what he wants to do in you and through you. And it may be great and big things that might scare you. Maybe he hasn't even revealed them to you yet. Because it would cause you to shrink back. The issue is not what God needs me to do. The issue is not the size of the task or the giant that needs to be slain. The issue is simply the willingness of our heart and our hunger and desire to be used by God for His glory. 
God says, do not be afraid. I am with you and I will help you. And this is how God dealt with the father of our faith, Abraham. Would you put up the scripture in Genesis so long, please? And while I'm sorting myself out, Siobhan, would you please come and read that scripture in Genesis, please? Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Thank you, Shivan. That was beautifully done. That's right. What a time. God was not done with Abraham yet. And so here's what I want you to understand. There is process in all of this. God said, I will make you a father of many nations. I will make you a great blessing, a great nation. I will make you a blessing. Now I want to we all understand that the task of making is not an instantaneous thing. It is a process. God said, I will make you a great nation. It took him 25 years for the beginning of that promise to be realized. Because Isaac was only born then. And Isaac wasn't so great a nation yet. Isaac had to have a son. And that son had to have 12 sons. And that's, those sons had to have klumpkenes. And so the nation began to grow and to be developed. But it happened in a process. None of us arrive as the finished article. And none of our plan, the plans and purposes that God has for us is worked out in a moment. There is a process. And if we engage with the process, we can expedite it. We can enable God to do what He wants to do through us. The struggle is, folks, that most of us are not engaged in the process. When God created mankind, there was a process. He started with the when and the where. He created time and He created space and this place where they would be placed. Then He sculpted their bodies from the ground of the earth and then He breathed into them. Where would He breathe if He had not made the bodies? And where would He have put the bodies had He not created the earth? There was a process. We see the same thing play itself out in Ezekiel chapter 37. We know it as the the story of the valley of the dry bones, and God says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. I'm not going to read the whole portion of Scripture, but first there was a vision. Then there came an instruction, and then a prophetic word. And then the bones came together, bone to bone. And then another word, and then flesh came together onto the bones. And then another word, and the breath came and filled them. Maybe God has been aligning you and putting your bones together for some time. The bones and the skeletal structure of your co- bringing you to the right place so that flesh and breath can be added to your life, that your purpose may be fulfilled. Because then, after that moment, there was a mighty army standing ready to, at, at the beck and call of the Lord to go and take the land. Maybe God, the skeleton and the alignment has been right for some time and God's been adding word to that. He's been adding insight to that. And now you are ready, but need a breath. 
I dare say that most of us who've been in this fellowship for a number of years have been rightly aligned and have had so many wonderful parts of flesh and muscle added on. Some of us have some other stuff added on. And all that's necessary is that breath. We're ready. We're ready. The same principle is true in your life and mine. The process of God making us into what He sees us to be starts and ends with intimacy with Him. You see, when the New Testament looks back on Abraham and Abraham, the father of our faith, it tells the story not... It, I mean, the Bible tells us the process and the making of this man and his faith. But when we look back on it, we say he did not waver. He did not waver at God's promise, not even considering his own body. And because of that, he received this wonderful, wonderful promise. I also love the words in Hebrews 11 spoken of Sarah. In verse 11, By faith Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. In other words, the divine ability... And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's intimacy. That's intimacy. She had come to a place of knowing God. Abraham came to the place of knowing God so intimately that they fully trusted and fully cooperated with him. And at the end of the day, didn't we start this off by saying that intimacy was the primary purpose for all of this in the first place. It really is. You see, the basis for genuine intimacy, intimacy through which God can minister into our lives, speak to us, bring correction, guide us, the basis for genuine intimacy is always mutual love and affection. If it's not mutual, it's not intimacy. God will not force Himself on you. Let's just make a, a carnal example here, very simple. If it's not consensual, in our day and age, you all know what I'm talking about, we call it rape. We call it sexual abuse. We do not call it intimacy, because one is forced upon the other. The will of one overrides the will of another. God is not that kind of God. Intimacy is always mutual, mutual love and mutual affection. And it's in that kind of relationship that conception of God ideas and of God's purposes can take place in a blessed environment. You see, intimacy requires two invested parties. And if one is no longer invested, what can the other do? Nothing. Nothing. This is why we can be saved, born again of the Spirit of God, but yet unengaged. And God, though He may long for intimacy and long to bless us and long to walk in a deeper relationship with us, can do nothing because it needs to be a mutual love. And we're in a time and in a season where God is awakening His church and He's saying, come back. Come back to me. I want this intimate relationship for you with you. I'm not forceful, I'm not coercive, I'm not manipulative. And in His great love for us, God 
has made intimacy with Himself possible. We know this through Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of our sins, through the giving of the Holy Spirit. And just as with Abraham, God desires to bless you and to make you a blessing. So God has blessed, and He desires to make you a blessing. And what is the principle I'm drawing on today in terms of this word making? It's a process. It is a process. Praise God for how far you have come and I have come in our walk with the Lord. Praise God for the wonderful things that we have been able to deal with and get rid of and shrug off. Praise God for the blessings that we've experienced and the growth. But we're still in the process. We haven't arrived yet. You see, I could come in here today with a car chassis, and we could all admire the chassis, but it's not a car, you're not going anywhere. I could come with a piston, bright and beautiful, brand new O-rings, but we're not going anywhere with a piston. We've got all these parts, and God's still putting them together. And you know what? Once they all come together, we've still got places to go. We're not done. God is not done, and He's calling us for so much more. 2 2 Peter 1, verse 3 to 4 says this, For His divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of Him. That means intimacy. Amen? In other words, He has made this knowledge all available to you and to I. His heart is open. How? Through the Scripture, through the Word of God, He reveals Himself, and by the Spirit of God, which is available for you and I to have fellowship and intimacy with. And so He says, as we come into true relationship and into deep knowledge of these things, intimacy, we get to experience these wonderful blessings in this dynamic spiritual life. He says, He called us by His own glory and excellence, for by these He has bestowed on us precious and magnificent promises of inexpressible value so that by them we may escape from the immoral freedom that is in the world because of disreputable desire and become sharers of the divine nature. So this is all available. From God's side, it's all done and it's all a given, right? Amen? So the onus is on us. Would you agree with me there? Now, here is where I have a confession to make. There is an attitude and a way of thinking that I sometimes struggle with. Not all the time, but it's there. And it pops up every now and then, and I've learned to recognize it now and begin dealing with it. But here's what it is. It's the attitude of spiritual entitlement. Here's what entitlement is. Entitlement is a right to do or to have something. So my children, for example, are entitled to help themselves from the fridge. They're entitled to do certain things within the house. There are boundaries to that. There's some things in the fridge they can't have. But they're entitled to live in that home. Entitlement is also a state of having a title right, or a claim to something. Now, we've just read in the Scripture how God has given us eternal life. 
He has given us access to Himself. He has given us these wonderful promises. He has given us blessing and grace and made all these things available to us. Would you agree that we are entitled to these things, not because of what we have done or because of what we have not done, but simply because of Jesus? Would you agree with me on that? Amen? And that's true. But there is a negative side to entitlement. We encounter it a lot in our country, where this idea is, there's just this handout mentality, where somebody else is responsible for solving all my problems. Entitlement is also the feeling that you have the right to do or have what you want without having to work for it or deserve it just because of who you are. And that is the negative side to entitlement. And that, believe it or not, is what I sometimes struggle with. It sounds a bit like this. Father, if you really are my father, and you really do love me, and you really want me to be blessed, and you really want me to experience all these wonderful things, if this is what you want, and you are really the all-powerful one, why do I have to struggle so? Why must I pray so much? Why must I ask and keep on asking? It's what you want. Have your will. Anybody else struggle with that? (laughs) Why do I need to seemingly beg you and come and passionately pray, Lord, please pour out your spirit. Lord, please help me in this area. Lord, please, I need breakthrough here. Lord, please, I need provision here. Why must I seem like I'm begging you for that which you say you want to do, which you've already paid for, and that in some ways you say is already settled. Why must I keep on persisting without seeing the results I believe I should be seeing? And in answer to that, there's a number of things to consider. You know, the the example the Lord gave me as I was thinking and meditating over this was, when Leah first was learning to walk, I would take something she wanted and I would put it on a table over there far away from where she was. I wanted her to have it, but I wanted her to walk. Amen? And there is something... Now, I could... I was, in this sense, powerful enough to bring that item from the table and give it to her in her hand and fulfill her desire, and make her happy. And in doing so, I would have kept her in a state of inability and weakness. She needed to use those legs. She needed to learn to walk. Because can you imagine me having to carry my daughter in here every Sunday, and bring her everything she needed? It would be a travesty. You would call me a lousy parent. And God is not a lousy parent. You see, there is something that happens in us in the pursuit, certain things that are revealed in us that God knows about but that we cannot yet see. Certain things like entitlement. Certain things like attitudes that need to change. Weaknesses that get revealed and dealt with that we cannot see because we are so set in our way of thinking and in our perspectives that it takes time in the presence of God, time in the Word, time in the pursuit to reveal the things that need to be overcome. But even more than that, I want to give you some other reasons why we need to persevere. God is still in the process of making 
But there are things that we need to be aware of. Number one, I'm going to give you five things this morning. Number one, opposition. We are living in a world that is opposing us. There are forces at play beyond our control that are working against the plans and the purposes of God for your life and for your community. We see this so beautifully in the book of Daniel, and I'm going to just skim through a few portions of Scripture this morning to show you from the Bible how these things play themselves out. Daniel 10, 12 to 14. Daniel is praying for a revelation, and here an angel comes to him and said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for, the, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. From when? The first day. So the moment Daniel prayed, Gabriel the angel was dispatched to go and deliver the answer to his prayer. However, he says, the prince of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, the other archangel, God's warring archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And so here there was a prayer that was offered and a waiting on God, but there was resistance. There was resistance in the heavenlies. And so the prayer took time to come through. What would have happened if Daniel just gave up and stopped, moved on with his life, and didn't persevere? We need to understand that in our prayer, in our pursuit of God, there are times when we are going to face opposition. In the process of what God is trying to make in you, you will find opposition. And that opposition is not always going to be from the outside. Sometimes it's going to be from the inside. It's our own desires for other things. It's our own passions and lusts that can get in the way. Number two, another reason why sometimes we pray and it seems like things are taking long is because of timing. When Mordecai approached Esther, who was now queen in the land, he said to her, Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Who knows whether or not this moment is a moment in history, and it was a defining moment in history. But here's another example from the book of Galatians. Paul writing, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, Now I say that the heir, in other words, somebody who is heir to the kingdom, somebody who is truly entitled to rank, to power, to possessions, to all of those things, being an heir within that house, within that realm, and within that sphere of influence. An heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Many people bail because of impatience. They're not prepared to wait. You see, our faith is not supposed to wane and get weaker as we wait. That proves that our faith was not real to begin with. Our faith ought to get stronger and stronger as we wait because the patience gets added to us and virtue gets added to us as we continue to believe God, as we continue to seek Him and His plans and purposes come to fruition. We become more and more convinced. Abraham and Sarah's faith did not become weaker with time. It grew stronger as they continued to look at the stars and try to count the sand on the shore and couldn't. Sometimes 
We need to just persevere because it's not the t- we are not ready for the breakthrough. We are not ready for the answer. We are not ready to let go of that which is holding us back. And sometimes God needs to do a work. And tied up in that same portion of Scripture speaks about another thing that, that we need to factor in. And that is our level of maturity. The father had not given the timing yet because that son was not yet able or capable to be responsible with his inheritance. Amen? He hadn't reached the level of maturity yet. Another example of this is Jesus. His own life, Luke chapter 2, 51, speaking about his upbringing, says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. And so he grew and grew and grew and in favor with, and, in, and in grace and anointing. He eventually knows that it's the right time to go and be baptized. And then when it comes to the wedding feast, his mom says, do something about this. And he says, well, it's not my time yet. My time has not yet come. She says, she didn't even argue with him. She just said to the servants, just do what he says. Timing and level of maturity. Number four, ability. Ability. Can you handle what God wants to bless you with? You're asking God for that car. Can you afford the insurance and the maintenance and the fuel for the thing? Do you have the ability to maintain it? You're asking God for that promotion because the salary is so much better. Do you have the skills to stand in that position? You're asking God to bless the business. You want to start a business. Have you been faithful with that which is another man so that God can bless you with something of your own? Do you have what it takes? Are you ready or are you still in the process of making? We see this with the people of Israel. Exodus 23, 30. He says to them, I will drive them, speaking of coming into the promised land, I will drive them before, out before you little by little until you have increased and are strong enough to take possession of the land. In other words, if I give it to you all at once, it will overwhelm you. You haven't got what it takes yet. But little by little, you will inherit the land. There's a process. I am making you the governors over this land, the authority in this land. But little by little. And number five, the other thing that we need to factor as we pray and as we wait on God, as we sometimes seem frustrated by not seeing what we desire is we need to also factor in our level of revelation and understanding of who God is, what and what is really going on. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 to 10 says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Very often the thing that keeps us where we are is the thinking that got us where we are. And to go into the next phase requires a new way of thinking. It requires a fresh revelation, a fresh word from God which galvanizes our focus and puts wind and breath back into our sails to push us along and push us into what He's called us to. Now all of these things get worked out in our hearts, and in our lives as we diligently pursue God in prayer and as we minister to Him in worship. As we pursue intimacy, God is able 
to work in us, to overcome all of these various challenges and make us into what He has planned and bring us into the full expression of every blessing and promise that He has given. He is still in the process. He is not done yet. Maybe you've put down the tools on your spiritual life. Maybe you've Maybe your workbench has still got a whole bunch of things in it and you haven't visited your workbench for a while and the Lord is saying, I'm not done. That project, I'm still working on it. That carving, I'm still busy with it. And He will fulfill His promises as we seek Him. And here is the call. This call to purpose that God is giving you and I in this time and in this season to a greater degree of diligence in engaging in the process. This is the way he said it to Jeremiah. 29, verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I really like the way the message puts this. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. When you are serious about finding me, and finding out my purpose, and who I have created you to be. And when you press into that, you know, I have a testimony on this. Last week, I'm praying through some things. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm seeking Him for vision and for clarity on many things. And sometimes you work your way backwards. You, 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 you re-evaluating so many things. And I got right to the point of saying, Father... How do you see me? What is it that you see when you look at me? What is it that you want me to do? Can you give me something specific? Is there something specific, Lord? Shape my perspective here because I'm longing for more, but I'm feeling stuck in some ways. One week later, through the mouth of somebody else, Michael, God sees this, and this is a scripture that I got for you. And this is uh, how God is seeing you right now. And this is, and literally, I, I can show you in my journal the questions I wrote down, and one by one, God answered them. Plum, plum, plum. Simple. God will do that for you as you seek Him, as you pursue Him, as you look to Him. And you know what that gives? That gives clarity. That gives perspective. That puts me in my place and makes me feel comfortable in my skin. I, want to, I, I was, in closing, I want to read a quote and then final scripture. I was reading an article this week, a prophetic word by somebody called Dutch Sheets. Um, many of you may know who he is, doesn't matter, but he made this statement and it really blessed my heart. He says, We have not been attempting to overcome God's reluctance, but we have been laying hold of his willingness. Sometimes when we come in with a state of spiritual entitlement, we come in with an attitude that says, God is somehow reluctant to bless me and to meet my needs and to answer my prayer and to move in this situation. It seems like there's a reluctance on God's part that I need to overcome. And if I pray enough and if I worship enough and if I go to church enough and, and I get into this whole legalistic list of things that I need to do to somehow appease Him and overcome His reluctance. No. This is not what we're doing. What we're doing is laying hold of God's willingness. God's heart is open, and He is willing. 
But the truth is most of us are very apathetic towards that. It's a one-sided relationship sometimes. And until that intimacy is in place, until that mutual love and affection, affection, and that's a strong word, affection can be expressed in many different ways. Many of you may have read the, the, the Love Languages book, and different people perceive and express affection in different ways. But a love and intimate relationship with God cannot be devoid of affection. It cannot be just words mouthed off. It cannot be just prayers repeated for the sake of that's what must be said. It's in a part of the heart that engages with His heart, my heart reaching for His heart and His heart reaching for mine and meeting in the middle, just as with a couple, my heart reaching for my wife, her heart reaching for mine. And listen, there are times when her heart reaches out to mine and I'm preoccupied and indifferent. And there's other times when my heart reaches out to hers and she's busy with the kids. And that's normal, that's life. But God's talking about this wonderful reunion. Now, I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're saying, Michael, I agree with everything you say, but I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the passion I know I should be. I'm not feeling the desire for God above all other things. I'm perhaps preoccupied. I'm, I want to close with a scripture from Philippians. Well, two more scriptures. I didn't realize I had another one. Philippians 2.13. God says, I am working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases me or him. God is working in you. The Amplified again says it this way, For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is, some, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. All He requires of us is the honesty to acknowledge that. God, I know you love me, but I'm distracted, I'm apathetic, I'm engaged in so many things, and in truth, if I'm really honest with myself, I am not counting the hours so that I can get home from work and spend time with you. I am not setting my alarm early because I'm excited to meet with you in the morning. I am not going to church with, with zeal to join with the people of God in worshiping you. I'm not excited. I'm not passionate. And I know you want me to be, and I know I should be, but I have to acknowledge that I'm not. When we come to that place, that's when God is able to come in and do a wonderful work in making, in starting and engaging in the process of kindling and blowing on that flame in your heart so that He can make it come alive and begin and continue the process of making you into His image and forming you for the purpose He has. I close with these words and exhortation from David. A man after God's own heart is how he is known. Psalm 37, verses 4 to 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Would you stand with me? And I want to lead you in a simple prayer this morning. Maybe you cannot identify with my skewed thinking and spiritual entitlement. That's okay. That's just me being honest and vulnerable with you. 
But if you can identify with realizing this morning that God, you know God is calling you to intimacy. You know God is calling you to spend time with Him in His Word and in His presence. And you've been struggling because it feels like a legalistic thing. You know you should do, but you, are, you don't have the passion and the desire. This is what we want to pray into this morning. God is calling you into purpose. The purpose primarily is intimacy, and from that intimacy could flow any number of things. But Father, as we're here in your presence this morning, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit breathing over us right now. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word to us this morning, that you are not finished. You are not done yet. There are still so many wonderful things you wish to open up to our hearts and minds and experiences you want to bring us into. There are still realms of authority you want to release through us, regardless of our age or of our title or how far we've come or how long we've walked with you. And we hear your voice this morning, and we want to respond. Lord, I want to thank you for your word today that says that you work in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. Lord, we acknowledge this morning. And if this... If you acknowledge this, pray this out with me. Father God, I acknowledge this morning that I am not passionate about you as I should be. I long to be passionate. I want to burn for you. I want, Father God, a desire for your kingdom and for your presence that exceeds all others. Anything less is not worthy of you. I ask you to do a work in me, both to will and to do your good pleasure. I take a step of faith in praying this prayer, and I trust you, God, that you are not done with me yet. Help me engage with you in the process of kindling my love for you afresh that I may desire you and intimacy with you more than anything else. In Jesus' holy name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.